0: hey welcome to lady overlander radio tonight we are going to be talking about why women should never overland solo stay tuned oh grab your favorite drink whether it's a coffee cocktail or tea and get ready it's ladies night on lady overlander radio Lady Overlander Radio is sponsored by Artemis Overland Hardware, Midland Radio, Go Treads, Overland Spices, Wildland Coffee, Timbo Tusk, The Moor Expo, and Adventure Trail Outfitters, Maker of the Overland Shower. Want to support Team Lady Overlander Radio in the 2023 Rebel Rally? You can donate to our cause on GoFundMe. Search Lady Overlander Radio Rebel Rally 2023 and donate. Yeah, shameless plug. Team One Eight Five. (laughs) Let's go. Nice. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for joining us tonight. We have a lot of great guests on here tonight, and I hope this is going to be a very engaging conversation. How you doing, Arla?
1: Doing. How you doing?
0: Doing. I'm doing. I'm a little tired. Been working hard, but it's it's been a good week. So we got a lot done, and. Then I'm heading back your way, so. I
1: know, it's been a yeah. very slow week. Like it's taking too long to get to the weekend.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have a good weekend though. Uh-oh, Not lost oh. somebody, who'd so we lose? Oh Sarah, no. Tara. Uh-oh, Tara, okay. Tara, she'll be back. <laughs> all right, so it's we'll wait. a, for a, a tropical future. storm,
1: it's all good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, she's only going through a hurricane, it's not that big of a right. it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's just cat one, I think, anyway. <laughs> So we'll go ahead and introduce Kristen, Badass Brunette. Welcome back to the show.
2: Hey. She's,
0: she's currently sitting in an airport in Idaho. Oh. So then we've got yeah. Juliana.
3: How are hey, you doing, girl? Good. Um, How are you?
0: Good. And you're in Oregon right now, correct? Yeah, currently. And then we've got Kelly Nomura. Good That's job. do it? Okay. <laughs> and where are you located currently?
4: Uh, I'm in Southern California.
0: Okay. So it's nice and warm there.
4: Yeah, it's cold for us. It rained yesterday. That's you know, a big deal. <laughs> a whole day of rain.
0: And then Christina, mm-hmm. Huntress Off Road, welcome. And you are it currently Arizona. Arizona. Okay. And then we have Tara. There she is. Sorry. Hi, that was
3: like the moment that the wind decided to take out the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: what we figured. We know you're
3: dealing with We're, this we're on cell tower now. This should be good. <laughs>
0: Welcome, welcome, ladies. So tonight we're going to be talking about overlanding solo and why you should never do it. So
3: yeah. terrible.
5: Yeah. Don't do it. Day, it's crazy. It's scary. No, stay no. home. Don't do it. <laughs>
0: Off
3: the trails. Just do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, please stay home. So then we can go. Um, so I put out a post the other day, Arla and I did, and uh, got a lot of got a lot of comments, a lot of feedback. And the title was Why Women Should Never Overland Solo. And believe me, people had a lot of opinions about that. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I was joking because, as some of you know, you know, I've overlanded for several years now, sometimes solo, sometimes with my husband and kids, full time. So, um, obviously, I'm still here. I'm okay. I'm not, you know, in danger or anything. Nothing happened. So, uh, I'd like to talk about this tonight because I think that it's important to let people know or especially women that may be interested in doing it but are a little bit hesitant or people are telling them they shouldn't do it you know to let them know it's okay many of us have done it many of us continue to do it we're all doing good you know you have to just be safe and smart and you know there's a lot of benefits to it so yeah the first thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to show one of the comments the first comment we got and we'll be gentle with Phil um, (laughs) but This is the very first comment I got when I posted. <laughs> says, "I'm a white dude and I don't overland solo."
1: First of all, thanks for clarifying your race
0: yep. and your gender. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Are there a lot of men that you think are, are hesitant to overland solo as well? Probably. Hello, uh. so. oh. hourless life. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah so Oh boy. Or phil's gonna need somebody to go with him if he goes out um it's okay but though. i i have to say that it's surprising to me but most of the time that i get naysayers saying something to me about going out solo ironically enough it's women that tell me that have you guys had mm-hmm. that kind of experience any of you
5: oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. i really would say- wanted to tell
0: us about it. oh sorry tara we both said, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah." Okay, so Julie, you go first and tell us about your experience, and then Tara, you go ahead.
5: Uh, I've just had many women that say, "How can you actually do it alone? Aren't you afraid? Aren't you scared? Like uh, somebody's going to come into your camp spot?" And a lot of them are like, "Do you carry protection? Like, how do you even do it? How do you feel comfortable?" Is most of the time that I get asked a lot is like, "How? How do you do
3: it? How are you comfortable?"
0: What about you, Tara?
3: I'd say I get it too. It's usually framed more as a question. Like you're saying, it comes, it's less condescending as it is more of a curiosity and a question. Um, but the reality to that is, it's something you have to experience to understand that, at least in my experience, most of the people I meet out in the middle of nowhere are there for the same reasons I am and have no interest in actually interacting with other people too much if you're that far out. Um, or generally, I mean, I'm scarier than they are. Like, I'm not too worried. I don't know. Like, Ooh. as long as you just make yourself scarier than they are, it's fine.
6: <laughs> yeah. I think for I, me, I've had more comments than questions. It's not like, oh, how could you, or whatever. I've had a lot of other women say like, I could never. I hear, mm-hmm. I could never, Yeah. A lot. yeah. And I'm like, Agreed. please don't say that. <laughs> because i think you just have to get yourself to a point where you absolutely can you know what i mean like i the the i could never comment is the one that makes me the most crazy
0: it kind of makes me a little sad you know that makes me sad yeah Mm
3: -hmm.
0: that people would think that they could never do something like that it's not like it's I mean, once you learn, you know, what you need to bring with you and you, you know, take the appropriate safety precautions, however, whatever your comfort level is or whatever you prefer, you know, and if you go out there with some knowledge, you know, and you've, if you've wheeled with other people or camped with other people, you know, or had similar experiences and you've, and you've kind of gotten that background in your tool belt, you know, there's absolutely no reason why you can't go do that. You know, that's what, I think that's why I would, I would hate to hear, I would never, that's just,
3: that's not good. I always hear it as I could never, not I would never. And if you ask them why they could never, do you ever ask them why they say that, Christina?
6: I do. And um, comments that I get from a lot of the people who say I could never is basically like, I'm not that brave. Or I don't like I don't know enough about vehicles or um, I get a lot of like. There's just, I can't go that far from home because I'm originally from the East Coast where it's significantly harder to find public land to do anything on than it is out here in the West. And so for them, like they would have to go pretty far from home and from their comfort zones and from their networks and all that stuff to be able to do those things. And I think for me, leaving New Hampshire to... Literally one day I just got in my Jeep, I got rid of my house, I put my stuff in storage, I sold everything else, got in my Jeep and just started driving west with like no actual plan in mind. And yeah, I know, right? But it um, it was just kind of like, okay, I could because I had reached a certain point where I felt comfortable and I didn't think that I was brave or anything like that. But I created a network for myself Around the country before I did it. So I started posting on like the Trail Hero, um, not Trail Hero, I'm sorry, uh, Trail Recon Facebook uh, pages and like cheap groups and stuff like that around the country. And I was like, hey, I'm setting out to do this solo. And, you know, there might be a chance that something happens somewhere around this country that I need a hand, like a toe yeah. out of someplace or whatever. And While I realized that like, it may not be the safest thing, inviting strangers into wherever you are, it did actually make me feel better going on this Facebook page and being like, people literally just popped up with like, this is the city and state that I live in. And if anything happens to you while you're anywhere in this general area, give us a shout out on Facebook and we'll put our off-road club together and help you out or something. And so even though I left the East coast with no network and like (laughs) no safety net, no fall by clan, whatever, I had kind of like created this network for myself by doing these things all the time. Yep.
0: When I traveled um, alone with the with my three kids to Oregon, that's what I did. I went on the Oregon Overlander's Facebook group. And introduced myself, said that we would be traveling, you know, with just me and the kids, asked for recommendations on things to take them to go see. And actually got a lot of really great feedback on really cool things and places to take the kids. And so, you know, my husband had yeah. to rush back to the East Coast. His mother was in the hospital. And we had a really great time and never had any issues. So mm-hmm. the only time I've ever broken down by myself has been in uh, Montana. So Is that the tire? <laughs> that was interesting. No, it was the the car wouldn't start at all. So, yeah, that was the Land Cruiser, my old girl, Mm. who's since retired. But (laughs) let's see, Arla, do we have any comments? We do.
1: We have a couple. Uh, Lee says that uh, she took a solo trip um, to meet some friends in Moab last fall, traveled through the southern Colorado to get there and stopped a lot of places. Only deal was her husband said she had to stay in hotels, no camping by herself she felt safe traveling alone. Where does that okay. go? And Feral Joe, which is Misty's man. Uh, <laughs> anytime he's had a problem with people, it's always been close to population centers or outskirts of towns. Never had any issue in remote.
3: Yeah. Same.
0: The only issues we've ever had have been with people. Like animals. Yep. Never had an issue with animals. Two uh almost three years of full time <laughs> Never had you have, you had an issue, Christina. What what happened? <laughs> I, Christina's what happened? always fighting animals.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually had to drive out of a campsite with my tent still up. And I just like jumped out and tied the ladder up real quick and then drove away. Um I had a goofy my
2: oh. I was sitting
6: outside Grand Teton in like Jackson Hole area and like a complete moron, I made steaks for dinner that night. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, the next
6: morning I woke up to this like, yeah, the next morning I woke up to like grunting outside (laughs) and uh, opened up the window of my tent and I was like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I literally just like pulled the ladder up mm-hmm. crawled down into the jeep and then drove away with the tent still on it and like until i got back to the main road i didn't even bother getting out and like folding up the tent i, I might have pooped myself a little in
0: that situation yeah i don't i don't blame you there
3: for getting mm-hmm. the heck out i've there. woken up to the grizzlies in a ground tent because i would tell my children no it's fine because you know some places you can't uh car camp there you have to ground and so that was Last year and of course Riley's freaking out I'm like there is no chance we're seeing a bear 5 a.m. Wow. I hear that sound outside the tent I'm like dear god don't let him wake up because I will never ever hear the end of this <laughs> he just waited for the bear to leave like uh, that would have been horrible
1: here's some jokes right here from my husband that I had a bear outside of my tent one night in Colorado true very true I was freaking out not gonna lie I'm not a fan
3: of that at all See, the bears don't bother me as much. Oh, it looks
0: like. Yeah, somebody else I think had Tara makes friends bear. with the bears.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm way better at
1: it than with people.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, experiencing Arkansas says side by sides. There, I said what I said. Oh, he does yeah. have some side by sides roll up in his camp uh, in the middle of the night. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Right up uh, to his tent.
0: He, sure. he took care of business, though. He did take care of business. <laughs> believe it or <laughs> not. his, his, in his hey, Matt.
1: <laughs> and it draws, Jason. Anyway, level, you'll uh, have hopefully. Matthew says, I was taught from the start to know your vehicle and its limitations. Know the area you're going and know what know what to bring. The more you research, you do. God, why is it freaking out like that? Stop it. Oh, well. <laughs> usually Fair the better <laughs> level you have, hopefully.
3: Yeah. Agreed. I over-research things, but usually <laughs> I'll plan a whole trip like because we go all summer, so it's like 12 weeks. And then we don't usually end up at any of those places, but at least it's like the safe backup plan. And I over-researched all of that. So no matter where we are, there's usually like that, okay, we can like defer to the original plan if all else fails, but mm-hmm. over-researched. Yeah, that's Facebook definitely-
1: Facebook user. I don't know who this is, but um, it says, yes, we had a Grizz at our camp within 30 minutes of arriving in the Grand- Titanic. Oh, these Tetons. <laughs> yeah, the Tetons you know are what? very-
6: can I go exactly. back to Matt's point for a second, where it says, yes. uh, know your vehicle and its limitations? Mm-hmm. I will say, what limitations. Maybe, maybe this is not just me, yeah. like I'm wondering about the other, the rest I'll of you ladies too. Like, I feel like I err on the side of caution significantly more when I'm traveling alone, even though I know that like my vehicle is capable of doing certain things. And like, mm-hmm. I look at an obstacle and I know that <laughs> I would be totally fine if there was somebody behind me on the off chance that something happened or whatever, like I totally err on the side of caution when it comes to that stuff, when I'm by myself. And if it looks even remotely too sketchy for me to do alone, I absolutely turn back around and don't do it. Like it's just yeah. not worth even trying to go that far and deal with that stuff when you're by yourself.
3: Yep. And yeah, that's I don't, a really good point. but <laughs> <laughs> I break things. <laughs> 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 i think my comfort level over the last year especially with fixing the things i break i because that level of education on things grew so much for me so rapidly that gave me the comfort to go into scenarios where okay if i do break it it's just going to be that and i have the extra parts or like i know kind of that gave me a lot more comfort when i'm that far out to decide because if you get that far it's like okay i came this far why would i stop now at least that's what my brain tells me um and then there's always that last mile that gets me usually uh but it's always Mm -hmm. in the last mile, Uh, but comfort with knowing how to fix everything if I break it and knowing that I have the extra parts and extra bolts, it's always extra bolts, Um, that helps.
0: Yeah, they wiggle loose a lot. Yes, they do.
4: A
3: lot. (laughs) A lot. What about you, Kristen?
0: Try
5: try not to get locked behind gates either because that's not fun.
3: (laughs) Bolt cutters.
0: Definitely not. (laughs)
5: I probably should add those because I've been locked behind a gate twice
3: so far.
0: Yeah, <laughs> wow.
5: that, that's a that's a hint for
0: sure.
1: Well, yeah. I would say a lot
3: of those areas near Tetons and all that too are a lot of ranch land that they will allow us to cross, but even to get to like, you know, the public land. So gates end up getting locked behind you or things like that. And usually usually there's signs and things explaining to you like when and how and where. But yeah, it yeah. sometimes they don't
5: have signs. You go through the gate and you're like, cool, this is an open gate. <laughs> cool. and, you, normally, you know to go like before um, like the evening, you should probably get out of the area. Like I rule of thumb, I say I should probably be out of that area by three. And I, I guess they decided to lock it at one o'clock for some reason.
6: Oh, okay. <laughs> I okay. like, oh my God, too many guys. Yeah,
0: that's actually another good point. I like to, I prefer to be at camp and setting up camp by about three o'clock or four o'clock no later than then. I don't, I don't really like, trying to find camp at night. It's happened sometimes, but what do you guys do? do, you, do See, I'm do you... different.
5: I actually yeah. like finding camp at night because the reason mm-hmm. I like finding camp at night is because when I'm by myself, I don't want people knowing I'm a girl by myself. So at nighttime, I yep. can have my hair tied back. Oh, I can oh, okay. have a hood on. I don't speak. I get out of my car. I do what I need to do. And then I get in my car. I don't Smart. make any sound. As
3: I was say there's, I'm yeah, too. I would say there's a the factor of, especially if like my Jeep's fairly neutral, and I keep everything blacked out on my Jeep too. So they can't see who's in there. So if I make camp when it's getting dark or dark, especially if I'm alone, the kids are with me half the time, but like they can't tell if I'm a dude or not. So yeah, or how many people yeah. are in there.
6: I am the total yeah, opposite. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like like in, yeah, I like rolling in in the daylight because for <laughs> me, like, it's a comfort factor knowing my surroundings and being able to like look at all of my outs and seeing all of my options and like knowing what certain sounds in the dark might be. And mm-hmm. that kind of see, I don't it. want to know what
3: those are. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sometimes they're so cows. Comfortable. Just cows. There was one
3: time we thought it was a cow and it was not. <laughs>
6: oh, yeah, really. oh, yeah, I like having that knowledge of like exactly where I am. How about you, Kelly?
4: So I, to be completely honest, I am not like these ladies that go out and travel alone. But like thinking back, I was like, I don't know how much input I'm going to give, but I'm one of those people that just has an adventurous spirit. And like, I was in a loner Mitsubishi with a rooftop tent that was a loner driving through Utah. And I was like, I'll just camp, no big deal. Someone told me where to go. I didn't think twice about it until a girlfriend of mine is like, thought I was crazy, told me I needed to turn around and find the nearest Hampton Inn she would not on the phone unless I did it. And I was like, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And she's like, no. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, someone made the mention of driving. I've driven like from California to New Mexico. This is before overlanding was even on my radar. Didn't think twice about it. Like traveling alone, I just, I don't know. I think I've always been a very independent person. But baby steps towards that is, I think, what helps also kind of get in the mindset of it, you know, like doing a long road trip alone, but staying in hotels where you feel a little bit of sense of comfort. I mean, I stay in hotels now by myself all the time because of work um, or travel by myself all the time because of work, because now I'm, you know, driving a lot further than I ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's a mindset. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think about that. I just think about, okay, what am I yeah. going to do be prepared? Um, you know you just always have to be aware of your surroundings regardless of where you are what you're doing i think that helps so whether you're traveling on your own and going into an area by yourself or not but i'd have to agree i think when you get far enough out and you're around like-minded people you're safer to a certain degree they're not going to bother you they want their alone space just as much as the other like a friend pointed out this place in utah the like little grand canyon or something and i went out there and like you wouldn't see anyone for distances, but I saw people once. You know, the sun came up, and you see people around, um, which gives you a little bit of comfort. But at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just never felt a threat by the other people around me. It was more of a safety. If something went wrong, at least there's someone down the way. I guess yeah. is more
0: my outlook on it. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Say, so I get more paranoid at hotels because the only places I've had a problem with people where I've been jumped or had concerns were at hotels. in you know, populated areas. So, middle of nowhere. The likelihood is kind of a numbers game. The likelihood of that happening out there, as far as number of people versus you. Mm-hmm. As my children tell me, like the likelihoods very low because they're the math kid. Yep.
0: Okay. okay, we're going to take a second and catch up. We've got some questions and some comments here.
1: We do. Um, Lee's asking, do you consider a ground tent safer or less safe than a rooftop tent? That's a good question.
0: <laughs> the age-old
1: question.
3: Uh, from here. From what? So my son still thinks that the rooftop tent is safer from the bears. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently he's forgotten bears can climb. (laughs) (laughs) But we're looking to leave it that way. Um, But they're the same. Like, it's really what you're comfortable with. My oldest refuses to touch a rooftop tent. He sleeps in his own ground tent. It's just, they're safety-wise, they're pretty much the same. Yeah. Christina?
6: I totally, maybe I'm like, Imagining it, I have no idea, but I feel significantly safer in the rooftop tent. Like, okay, something uh, has to have the effort to come up here to get me. But <laughs> in the true. couple of seconds that it takes, whatever it is to like climb up here, I'll be able to shoot it. It's always Christina feels the animals feel
5: too. Yeah, you can feel it too. Like if it's a bear or a cougar or something, you'll feel the rig do that. Right. Whereas if you're in a tent, you're just,
6: oh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm 100% about the rooftop tents. I just, maybe, like I said, maybe it's just me, but, like, I feel... Oh, no, it definitely
3: helps, especially when you're lot. Like, it's a mental crazy. thing, but, like, the reality yeah. is, technically, safety-wise, only it's the thing. Only
0: one. <laughs> but only one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. my tent has two doors.
3: Hmm. Uh, rooftop I tents have usually doors. have two exits. You're just going to yeah. have to jump.
0: Yeah, yeah. you have to
6: jump a little. Yeah.
3: yeah. You those windows. You won't mind in that moment. It's fine.
2: Just oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. not With that paint- far.
6: My rooftop pen has four different ways out, so <laughs> I'm not even remotely Ooh. concerned. I will get out of that thing. Like, will... <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: So let's see. What's the next one, Arla? Experiencing Arkansas?
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, he says he had Razorbacks coming to his camp near Mulberry Creek around Redding area back in July, which that's in Arkansas and the Ozarks. Um, Mama Pig had Peppa Pig and George too. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> See, those would scare me more than a bear. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're mean. They're mean. Yeah. They're sure. Mean. The Christine is like, I would have already shot it and cooked it. It's fine. <laughs> okay.
0: Dinner,
1: dinner, A little gamey. Mm.
3: <laughs>
6: yeah.
1: Um, Kelly says I dial back the types of trails I do when solo also, especially when way out there. Yeah.
0: Um, I definitely think that's a good idea, especially if you're at all in any way, shape or form concerned, you know, I mean, I know that at times we've all taken risks and sometimes they've backfired, but you know, usually we try to be a little conscientious about where we are and especially if you're by yourself, do you guys use any,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: you guys use any uh, location satellite locators like Garmin or any like that? Yeah, definitely recommend
3: that.
6: I think was that unanimous did everyone just know yeah, I, so? I think <laughs> everybody probably uses the
3: same garmin device at this point yeah, so, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i give it just to my sister one of my sisters at all times always has the ability to locate me and they do freak out when i do just like it's like it takes 24 hours if i drop off the map completely and they can't get that thing to work and then then it happens but otherwise yeah somebody can always locate me usually just one person
2: yeah
5: sometimes i forget that i have my dad and my mom Watching me, and sometimes my dad will text me and be like, "I see you in blah blah blah." I'm like, "What? How?" And I'm like,
3: "Oh, well, that's right." <laughs> and that is why only my sisters have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Arla gets mad if she catches me at the Mexican restaurant without her. She says uh,
3: something. <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot that I had location the... services turned on on my phone this summer when I started without the kids, and Riley apparently was tracking me, like wherever I was. So if I went somewhere without him that he wanted to be, then I would hear about it. And I couldn't figure out for a while how he was tracking, like how he figured out where I was. And he, then I heard him telling one of his friends that he was tracking me on his iPad on like the find my thing. So he would look for oh, the dog. That's
5: funny. That's funny. <laughs>
1: that's hilarious. That's funny. All right. So, question: Favorite kingdom um, food.
3: Ooh. Who's first? Like as far as cooking or the lazy food. <laughs> yeah, that's a qu- that's a good question. Actually, I mean, if you go to Panera, you get the little thing of mac and cheese, and then you throw it in under your uh, cover in your engine, and by the time you've driven the trail, it's warm for you. So that's dinner. That's oh, if my kids yeah. aren't around.
6: There you go, yeah. man. Nice. I'm a sucker for steaks.
3: <laughs> yeah. As you learn, apparently, so are yeah. the bears.
6: Steaks. Yeah, uh, Doesn't always work out well for me, but <laughs> I'm a sucker for snakes and sweet potatoes in the fire. Like, oh, yes. and, yes. Oil and cooked Whoa. in the campfire. Oh my God.
2: Kristen, uh, what about uh, you? Uh... Uh, I'm a stir fry kind of girl. Like, <laughs> throw veggies and protein in and toss it up easy. There you
0: go. That's nice and easy. Yep.
2: Very
5: I'm lazy. When I'm by myself, I just do like sandwiches or peanut butter and honey sandwiches in the morning time but when i'm with people i will let tend to cook more but yeah by myself i'm like sandwiches we're good
3: yeah keep it simple <laughs> those, I think exactly lazy food. Food. You lazy food yeah <laughs> lazy food, the mac and cheese i, prefer, and those. Yeah. I cook on the engine Ooh, hey jason i'm still waiting for you guys to
1: make that for me so i'm not talking to you about that right now <sighs>
3: If my kids are there, they expect bacon and cinnamon rolls and like full meals three times a day.
6: But it's just me.
3: Lazy
2: food.
6: I think I eat a lot of salads if it's lazy food stuff, like I do a lot of salad, I like caprese salad. I could live on that anyway. Mm, But um, yeah, that's kind of my jam when I'm just not interested in really cooking.
3: Yeah, and that, usually that. I'll pre-cook all the meat. Like for if we, you know, we have a week, then at the beginning of the week I'll pre-cook whatever meat we're taking because I don't want raw meat in there, especially because we're usually in bear country. <clears throat> so I, I mean, technically the trailer is a giant bear box, but I still don't want it in there. I just in case you know I kill the fridge or something, which happens. Uh, <laughs> so I just pre-cook everything like once a week, meat-wise that we need, and keep it in there.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of mess <clears throat> as well. So we had one more comment from Hourless Life, Arla. Can you? Throw that did back it? up there. I thought we were yeah, right. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I did that one. Oh, sorry. Stop yeah. clicking, ma'am. That's my job. <laughs> Fear <laughs> is a powerful thing. If we base all our decisions on worst case scenarios, then we would never do anything. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're currently in yeah. uh, Columbia. They yeah. just made it to Columbia. Oh, wow. Eric yeah. and his wife and their son.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, Kathy says Garmin is behind. I watch it on Life Three Sixty <laughs> app. Life Three Sixty is more up to date. I That's my like mom. 360. Hi, mom.
3: Life Three Sixty doesn't work so where I go. Yeah. Yeah, I have to satellite. That I try one. to go as far as I can.
4: Okay, what is Life Three Sixty? I've never heard of that.
5: It's uh, like a cell phone tracking app, but it has to have Mm -hmm. uh, your cell phone service. So, like, when I'm real remote, it won't work. So, then she goes to Garmin. But, like Mm -hmm. she said, Garmin can be really behind. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I can go, like, up to 24 hours. Yeah.
5: Yeah, which wouldn't be good if they're, like, in an emergency situation. But Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, Well, it's got the emergency one, depending on the setting. So, like, I can always, I pay for the satellite, the texting one, where I can get, it has Mm -hmm. to be short text. But I can get texts yeah. out that always, I've never had a problem with those going through. Um, but of course, keep it short and only in an emergency kind of thing because it's not cheap. But I always keep that active online.
6: We must have We're the same safe. one then because mine's the same way. Like I, mine's accurate to like within minutes because I just mm-hmm. keep the settings such that like it drops breadcrumbs every like 30 seconds yep. or something. Yeah, and yeah same. it Pings the satellite yeah. every two to 10 minutes. So oh, depending yep. on where I am. like Do you guys
5: but you have the mini or do you guys have the explorer? I have
6: the explorer plus. Uh see that's why. I
5: have the mini and the mini's like can be an hour before it even sends a text or something. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, well, I, like have that. I have that. How's well.
3: your huh, interesting. It well okay. double check that your app is updated on it um and mm. then your settings are in in your app about like how often it's pinging and going but this one I've always I never had a problem with this one I had there was what's the other one that they make the Jeep one that they did with uh the other brand that one never worked when I wanted to, but this one I haven't had a problem with. Nice.
2: Have
4: any of you guys used Zolio? I think that's what it's called. Zolio. We're mm-hmm. based out of Canada. It's another satellite. It doesn't have as much function, I don't think, as the Garmin.
3: but It's at about least, like the spot.
4: Yeah, it works mm-hmm. like an app on your phone. Exactly like yeah. the spot. Yeah. I'm just curious. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Does it seem to be a little quicker with response and getting messages out? or? So I've heard.
4: That's the feedback I've gotten from people. So I'm just mm, curious. Yeah. Anyway, I have, I've
3: only seen like two people use it so far, so I don't have a good frame of reference for it. Yeah.
1: Oh, this is a smarty comic. Somebody wants to get
0: smacked. My- <laughs> 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 this dude. Oh, reasons <laughs> I don't not- have a husband. <laughs> He's not wrong. Nobody's yeah,
1: tracking me. It's true. It does tell He's you how fast he drives. He's a stage five cleaner.
3: I'm not going to lie. All right. So no, we've
0: gone down a dark rabbit hole with Arla's driving here. So Okay, we all know. here. That's why
1: I'm the driver for the rebel rally on our team. That's We
0: sure uh-huh. are. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did uh, Lee Gibson have to say, Arla?
1: Lee, let me scroll back up here. Lee says on her Colorado trip, she would turn on her InReach and set up tracking for her husband. um When I leave the hotel, I'll leave it on so he could see at all times. Then she would text safe and locked in before, you know, heading off to bed.
0: That's Smart, yeah, very good.
3: That all works. Yeah, I would say putting systems in place. I think all of the questions I get all the time, or told why I shouldn't. There's so many. I call them systems, but I have systems for everything, as far as people may joke about how OCB organized I am. But there's ways to put things into place to keep you safe and to keep track of things and to, you know, deal with those things and also to deter people that would want to bother you if they know you are using those things. Mm-hmm. So because typically knowing that you're being tracked, watch that you know, there's somebody. They will leave you alone if they think somebody's looking for you. True. Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah, I remember, uh, Julie, you you told me a story on the podcast episode I had you on where somebody rolled up into your camp.
5: Oh, yeah. Uh, that's too, still to this date, that's the creepiest thing that ever happened. It was me and one other lady. We were camping by ourselves. And so, these ladies don't know the story. I'll do a quick version of it. Two ladies camping by herself. It's like maybe 10 o'clock, 11. I don't remember what time. But we're sitting at camp. And this car pulls up. And it stops, it slows down, it turns its lights off, and then it honks the horn and they get out and they start walking towards our camp and it's pitch black. We can't see anything. And I'm like, oh, what is going on? Like, it scared me because I had no idea what they were doing. Why did they honk? Why did they turn their lights off? And why were they walking towards us? Like that scared me. Nothing happened, luckily. They, They were probably trying to find camp or something. But still, I was like, this is not okay. Like yeah. that's no. creepy. <laughs> where were you?
3: Uh, Washington or Oregon? I don't remember which one. Say so in Washington, that's usually the signal for somebody who's meeting up for a drug deal, because oh. in a lot of the BLM areas, it's been a thing this no. year. I exactly. had that. I say I had that happen too, where they're in the dark, they can't always tell what your rig is either, and if there's certain mm. areas that are kind of those designated, they use a lot of the public land for it or mm-hmm. the uh, tribal like all the tribal designated land which is mm-hmm. usually access you know easy access where there's some limitations on the police uh so that is usually as i was told this year when i experienced something similar because they can't see from a distance other than like your light mm-hmm. so if they mistake mm, yeah. for that that's usually like the honking and then the yeah usually that would
5: make sense that. then that's crazy in washington
3: <laughs> i say <that> in washington <laughs> is yeah my other home base so that is the washington that. thing currently mm-hmm. it's awesome
0: yeah. We we made sure when we were in Washington and Oregon to get as far away from the major cities as possible when we when we set up camp because I had heard that there's a lot of people that reside there full time that aren't always, you know, very yeah. friendly and, you know, on the up and up, a lot of drug stuff going on. And so we kind of avoided the major metropolitan yep. areas, the, the National Forest and stuff around those. But, yeah. Yeah.
3: All right, but I would say if it was Washington, are? that's what that usually is. And then they realized that you were yeah. probably not the person they were looking for.
5: right? And they're like, oh, get <laughs> out of here. Right.
3: All right. Question from
1: Matt. Matt again. Let's see. When you are uh, solo overlanding or you have your site all set, what is your go-to entertainment? Books, iPad, with downloaded shows, computer to write? Question mark.
3: Well, not the electronics. And Matt's a workaholic. So, of course, he would say computer to write. That's all he does. <laughs> uh <laughs> But not the electronic. Usually it's hiking or you know something physical activity wise, usually hiking. I
6: yeah. have a dog so he's like a constant source of entertainment anyway. But, um, I also when I was doing it full-time and like living out of the gym and traveling the country that way I had to work. So I would typically like once I got into camp and was at my site I would make myself dinner, do all of those things, and then pop my laptop open and get some work done and uh, just kind of buckle down because my um, my laptop was charging off of the goal zero that I had in the Jeep the entire time. so. That way, like that thing was all charged up and ready to go in the evenings. And once I got settled, I could just plug it right in. And uh, yeah, I'd start writing blog posts and doing all my sort of digital marketing stuff that I was doing from the road at the time.
0: Yeah. I, ha- I too have but had to entertainment wise, right?
6: it's still the dog.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> <still sure>. dog. <laughs> How about you Kristen? If they have the kids, I just do whatever the kids want. Uh, I, same, we'll go hiking. Uh, got a one wheel dirt bike, also, zip around dirt bike. I try to stay like outside and active. Um, otherwise, it's yeah, Netflix. You know, sun goes down and it's cold. You go into your tent and like turn a little movie on or something like that. I like
3: to read. Do you feel like having the dirt bike gives you more freedom?
2: Yeah, to explore for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't beat my truck up as much so. Being able to go out on the dirt bike and just go faster and longer and further. I like that.
5: Mm-hmm. Float
1: life.
2: Float, Float life. life. <laughs> the one wheel. How about you, Kelly? That's what he's to. <laughs> Oh. <laughs>
4: trying to think. Most, I usually drive during the day when I'm doing some kind of travel. Um, yeah, and then evening would just be... I'm a big podcast listener hence podcast. When I travel by myself, I, you know, music starts to get monotonous to me. So I'll do a lot of podcast listening. So I'm usually like finishing up an episode or wanting to listen to another um, something like that or yeah, doing some kind of work related stuff if there is reception to do social media and catch up on things. I mean, there's always things to do in my world, so just even the quiet, like, do nothing is nice. Take advantage of that when I can.
0: Oh, yeah. Ooh. Definitely. I know a podcast you can listen to. I have a yeah. recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> Name, Name up. Yeah. <laughs> so we have another question from Lee.
1: Yes. Um, anyone ever had issues at more some of the more remote Forest Service campgrounds?
4: Hmm.
3: No. Not really. kind of nope. Well, Christina says. I it. Christina, it's another animal. <laughs> it an animal. It
6: wasn't an animal this time. Sure, it wasn't an animal this time. <laughs> um, and this is not. This is again. The, this goes back to just the way that I choose to travel when I'm traveling solo. I was in a dispersed Forest Service campsite. I was in the Blue Ridge Mountains, like deep in the rural Blue Ridge Mountains, and uh, it was just like. I can't explain it. I just got a bad feeling and I couldn't shake this really bad feeling that I had that I wasn't supposed to be there. And it wasn't like someone stumbled into my campsite. It wasn't like anything specific actually even happened to me on the way in or anything like that. I just, I could not shake this feeling that it was not a good situation and I should not be there. And I, I, to this day, I cannot explain what it was. But if I feel like that about any place at all, regardless of where I am, I GTFO. Like,
2: <laughs>
6: I say, I Kristen, my gut.
3: didn't that come up? I think this came up at Expo during the round table when people were asking about that. And kind of like the same thing. If you you have intuition for a reason, your body will tell you if you are somewhere yep. that you are not supposed to be if you listen to it. But to the flip side of that, There are times that I have felt fine and one of my kids will tell me that they do not like and if they can't shake that, we also leave in those scenarios because, again, there just may be something that I'm not picking up on, but I've had my youngest will do it occasionally, but like, nope, not here. Like, just we're not staying here and not for any he can't give you a really specific reason, but it just doesn't feel right. And so then we get to leave and pack up camp in the dark. It's fine. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of number one rule for me is always just trust that it's never failed.
0: i'm gonna throw up a couple of the comments i grabbed from instagram and facebook on from the post the other day Mm -hmm. as well let's see here so northology is referring to (laughs) why women should not overland solo is this still a question and i think she was surprised that yes that still is a question (laughs) And uh, Argo's Girl Outdoors said, great hook in the graphic. I saw red for a mm. moment. Definitely got my attention. <laughs> I, I've had quite a few people reach out to me thinking that I was serious about that, which is, which is surprising, but...
1: Well,
6: at there. <laughs>
0: Kristen,
6: nope, never. Nope. never, <laughs> never. No. Don't do it. I mean, a I girl? think going back to like Phil's point on, you know, I'm a white dude and I don't overland solo. I don't even necessarily think it's a question of like, <laughs> other women mm. should overland solo. I think it's just like a no matter who you are, like regardless of gender or anything like that, like no matter who it is, if you don't feel comfortable doing it alone, don't do it alone, whatever. You maybe get to that comfort level where that's okay. But like, should people in general overland solo, if they're not prepared, if they're not ready for it, if they're not anything, my answer would be probably not. So unless you feel like you are actually ready, unless you've taken the time to prepare yourself as much as you possibly can, because I truly feel like you can never like be quote unquote ready. Like at some point you have to just go and figure it out. But like to get to a point where you're as prepared as you possibly can be, regardless of your gender, like should you overland solo? Maybe not if you're not ready for it. But, you know, once you get yourself to that place, I don't think it matters who you are. It's just as dangerous for a guy to do that kind of stuff as it is for a woman, in my personal opinion, so.
3: If not more so to me, for some ways, like, I feel like they would deal with more confrontational situations than we would because for the most part, again, the majority of people we run into out there, like, yeah, I mean, I like to joke with the people that will stop me. Like, I'll get the men that stop me and say, are you lost? Are you okay? And if they ask me if I'm lost, I'll be like, I sure as fuck hope I am. Like, that was the goal. (laughs) Um, But, like... (laughs) Uh, but for the most part, there's more of a helpful nature to most of the people I run across, but I feel like the guys, if they're alone, will probably run into more confrontational situations than we would.
5: Yeah. Oh, I've ran into that a lot where, like I'll be pulled over off to the side of road and I'll be like scrolling on my map, kind of looking where I want to go and people will pull up and it's always normally a dude and the dude's like, are you okay? Are you lost? And at first I'm like, I'm-, I'm good. Like, don't, I'm fine and but then and normally they're nice and they're like do you need I'm like no I'm good I just like going in the middle of nowhere and driving they're like oh
3: okay (laughs) I like it when I have the trailer and they'll ask me I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing it's my first time and then I
6: leave and I'm dying (laughs)
1: There's a comment on here that's got my attention. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kelly P.W. here. Kelly. <laughs> um, <laughs> has some things to say. <laughs> um, yeah, never use my penis to be exactly. fit.
0: <laughs> that's the postcard card coming out.
3: That's the Coast Guard coming out, Arla. Yep, yep. There you, you go. The, that's the, our kid. Lord, Lord. Uh, it's true, though. Ooh. Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, moving on. Um, that's off-road. What's your dream destination, a place you haven't been, but it's on the top of your wish
5: list? Alaska.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I've been, but yeah. Alaska's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Kelly rules. <laughs> Kelly rules. Kelly rules. I will say
4: <laughs> a new destination on my bucket list because Dan Greg writes for Tread, and I just read his story, which I think isn't our current issue, but he went to Tasmania. So he's in Australia oh, right no. now, overland through Australia, mm-hmm. but he went to Tasmania. wasn't on his original list, but he's like, Oh, why not? Let's go. It sounds amazing. All the critters and animals and mm-hmm. like You know, it's things that will kill you. Christina, you should (laughs) go. Oh, yeah, thanks. You may not want to (laughs) go. That's for you. You sold me on Tasmania. I'm like, now I want to go to Tasmania. Never was on my radar. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh,
1: Feral Joe, I'm curious as as to our hourless life, having any instances in their international travels as far as a camp incident or concerning situation. Agreed. Don't let fear dictate what you have
0: to do. Yeah. I'm wondering anybody here, are you guys here, still
3: on? <laughs> I say, are they still there? Has anybody here done much international travel? I know in the last couple of years most of us haven't, but i say, say you've done some a little bit. And how was, like, for your experience, I know with mine, like, did you find it better, or worse, different than traveling here?
2: I mean, better. So I did the Baja Peninsula, went all the way down and back up over uh spent a month down there and I didn't want to come home I felt more (laughs) welcomed outside of my own country than in my own country agreed And And generally I've had the same experience yep it's people are more inviting and more welcoming and like you only hear about the bad things in the news but I mean bad things happen everywhere and it's actually I don't know I've heard just more beautiful and amazing experiences outside of our own country
3: yeah. Same. And any places that I know I'm at where they don't like Americans, I just tell them I'm Canadian. <laughs> Not even kidding.
0: Well, I mean, Eric and Brittany are traveling with a fi- their five-year-old son, and they—I don't think that they've ever, from what I've been told, they've ever felt, you know, that they were in danger, danger. or anything. And yeah. they've gone all the way down through Central America now, and like I said, yeah. they're in Colombia. So
2: yeah.
3: Yeah, I feel like culturally. <laughs> Where we're at here, there is less, uh, I don't know what to call it. It's it's different here. There's less welcome, actually, especially if you have yeah. Florida license plates. Um, <laughs> they really hate you. I actually switch those occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, But, yeah, there's a different, there's just always more welcome or just generally the expectation is that you help somebody if, I don't know, it's different.
0: Yeah. People seem to be very welcoming and friendly and humble and... Definitely, and I, I was going to mention w- earlier when we were talking about um, people being concerned if you're a female traveling solo. I had Dot Becker on almost a year ago now. She was overlanding solo through Africa, and she said that at most every stop she made, she got a marriage proposal because oh. the guys were so concerned with her traveling by herself. They were like, "Maybe, you, maybe I can marry you, and you know, make sure you're okay." You're protector.
2: Like,
1: no, no, I'm good.
0: I'm good. I've a couple of husbands. I'm good. I don't
3: need to, the list. Thanks, anyway. I'm good. It's a lot, a lot of work to get rid of those. Um, <laughs> I would say Africa is probably the only place that I have, so because of all 17 years of photo travel international work, where I would get, end up put on a team, and then if they were going, it was, of course, me and all men. And so usually what I would end up getting told is that having me with them made it a safety liability for them, as far as depending on the country far as um, Mm -hmm. for kidnapping factors or you know blonde female kind of a thing so in those scenarios I would usually pull out of those jobs because again there's you know they've got families and people to come home to and they don't need an extra safety factor involved but that depends on the country Um, yeah but that's usually that's the only place I've been had limitations job and work wise because of that
0: yeah and again you know it's it's all about being aware of where you're going knowing the background of that place learning about the culture learning about safety things learning where the embassies are you know all of that kind of stuff it's definitely smart to be prepared and you know to have some backup plans especially if you're going solo and maybe especially if you're a female i don't know um you know traveling with children i mean there's all kinds of different scenarios where your risk can be increased but you know at the same time like we've said repeatedly throughout the podcast you, if you're smart and you're safe and you plan and you prepare you know your vehicle you know mm-hmm. you take precautions you let somebody know where you are you know you learn as much as you can maybe take a wilderness survival class or a first aid kit or a class or you know there's lots of different things you do take an off-road class there's there's off-road courses you know
3: I was gonna say I feel like we keep saying that generally so can each person go around and tell something they've done to prepare properly for doing it solo or something that helps them that way people can get actual examples
0: who wants to start
5: i can't really add anything into that because i didn't really prepare i just kind of went for it and said oh it'll work out (laughs) i was just like let's go for it whatever but But (laughs)
6: like
5: i i have the i made sure i had the garment and i made sure like mom knew where i was at so i guess in that sense like i'm a little bit prepared but as far as like where i decide to go or what i decide to do i just kind of just decide every day something new or whatever and i'm just like i'll figure it out whatever
3: yeah Mm -hmm. okay i can speak to the mechanical side of things
1: Mm
3: -hmm. um most women are not comfortable taking classes or in groups especially when taught by men that's just how it is. Um, But there are alternatives to that, where at least for for Jeep World, I feel like we have a a different community there on its own for like how we all learn how to build our vehicles. But for women who are uncomfortable, I kind of usually remind them if they want one-on-one time, find a local off-road shop that you trust and ask them to give you one-on-one instruction from top to bottom of your vehicle of the basic things that are going to break I mean, you can pay for somebody to teach you that stuff one-on-one just as much as you could in a class. And there's plenty of off-road shops that would gladly do that for you if you ask them that or explain to them that you want the one-on-one instruction because maybe you learn it differently. Um, But that would be one of the number one ways because you're very rarely going to find a class that's taught by women. I'm still working on making that happen for a certain area of people this year, but it's rare. So ask for one-on-one instruction. Don't be afraid to ask, like honestly, most of them don't mind and we'll gladly give you that time and do the one-on-one with you. Uh, also, buy the freaking manual with all the diagrams for your vehicle because it doesn't matter. Whatever does break is going to be the thing that you didn't teach yourself. Uh-huh. And if you have the manual with all of the original diagrams to your vehicle in it, you can usually figure it out.
6: Very good tip. Christina? Unless you blow up your engine, Christina.
2: Oh,
6: yeah. Unless you detonate your engine. Yeah, there's that. But um, actually the Jeep was one of the first things that was like part of my kit for like being safe in other places. First of all, internationally, especially if you're traveling internationally, parts availability for Jeeps, like you can get parts for a Jeep in any country around the world pretty much because Jeeps are all over the world. So there was that. And then parts availability in random places around the U.S., obviously it's just one of the most common vehicles that you can stumble upon. So Mm -hmm. um, I felt good driving that. I've also it's my fifth Jeep. So I'm kind of used to Jeep stuff, working on Jeeps, whatever the common parts that break on Jeeps. And so the box that's on the front of my rack on the roof is literally just spare parts. So extra belts and bolts and like anything that you can possibly think of that frequently breaks on a Jeep is probably up inside that box and like tire repair kits and all that stuff. Um, So that was like another thing that I sort of prepped ahead of time was pulling together a little bit of spare, whatever I knew commonly broke in my Jeep. Um, So that's one of the things that I did ahead of time. I personally, Um, have taught hunter safety and women's firearm safety classes in the state of New Hampshire for like 10 years when I was in my 20s. And so I felt good with basic survival skills, basic first aid, basic everything when it came to if anything bad should happen while I was out on the road by myself. Um, Map and compass techniques. So God forbid, like all of my electronic devices failed, including my Garmin, and I couldn't charge anything or anything like that. Like just having those very... Basic skills made me feel better and, better. and then, for about a year before I left, I sort of like just traveled locally and just camped locally and like felt like I was dialing in my vehicle and the stuff that I was bringing with me for like what I would need. And um, like last minute things that I would forget, I would remember to like get a duplicate of so that I didn't have to pack it. It just lived in my Jeep. So it became like, I never had to repack my Jeep or anything like that. I would just leave because I had duplicates of everything and it was already in there. So to this day, like that's pretty much how my Jeep is all the time. Like if I just need to go, if I just, it's like a bug out vehicle. Like if I just need to get on the road, the Rota packs have water in it. There's fuel in the fuel <laughs> paddy. I've got duplicates of everything in there as far as first aid stuff is concerned and spare parts and all that other jazz. So I can literally just like grab the keys and go if I absolutely need to, which is a huge thing for me as far as feeling safe and prepared no matter where I am, even when I'm at home.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Duplicating
6: things. <laughs> oh. Oh, we can't hear
3: you,
0: Tara. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can read lips though. <laughs> can you? I can
3: just say all the
0: <laughs> now back. we can't see you, but we can hear you, <laughs> And we lost Arla somewhere. I don't know what happened to Arla. She'll be back. How's it going, Kristen? Are you, is your
6: flight? All right, let's try that. that well,
2: soon we're getting there. We got a couple <laughs> getting minutes. <there>? Okay. <laughs> I'm like watching the, yeah.
6: Yeah. We don't want to oh, miss this flight. Oh, dang it. I was going to screenshot that for Tara so she can see the face that she was making when she came back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, perfect. We'll just take screenshots of each other. I don't remember what I said. Oh, the double toolkits. So I would forget tools. So we'll get for the Jeep and then a toolkit at home. Um, and then for, uh, The last hurricane, because every time I come home this month. So I had actually taken my Jeep before I left to go to Alaska. I'd left it in Orlando in the airport parking lot in the garage so that I knew when I came back, no matter what the scenario, because it's the vehicle that can get in and out when things flood. um, I had put all of my recovery gear in it for just in case. And so I left and I get texts on my phone from my dad. He's like, hey, where's all this? Because he likes to steal my stuff when I'm gone. And I'm like, it's in the Jeep (laughs) where it belongs. He's like, well, why would it be there? Nice try. It's all sitting for it. So I know where it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not where it can be stolen. But yeah, the double of everything helps a lot worrying about something or leaving something behind.
0: So I think that's that's a possible when you're traveling solo, but for example, you know, I'm traveling with three children, so I run out of payload and space really quickly. So, you know, having the spare parts would be awesome, but we don't currently do that. Um we take plenty of water, we take plenty of food, you know, we make sure we have things like that, recovery gear. Uh we have a winch on my vehicle and stuff, but as far as spare parts, we don't really do a sparing kind of thing currently. So I like oh, you, you know, if you're able to.
6: <laughs> Did you say Jeep, Misty?
0: I have a forerunner and a Jeep. My husband drives the Jeep, I drive the forerunner, yeah. So which let's see what's that which one's cheaper um to parts fix? yeah <laughs> the jeep yeah <laughs> but it's a jl so it's harder to find parts sometimes okay so there's that
3: well that's why you get a jk
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> parts anywhere oh we got another comment here kelly ask my family how i get when people take things out of my truck <laughs> oh, <are you? laughs> so Kelly travels with Coddy Wample overland and he has the big ram power wagon and he takes that on any trail you could imagine and uh but he they call his truck mom's purse because he's the guy that carries all the extra parts and all the extra gear and all that stuff because he's got the huge pickup truck so yeah just need everybody just the- needs a Kelly to follow behind them <laughs> and then you've the got trailer. everything you need oh. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or a trailer. Yeah.
3: All things, yeah. Yep. Live, but obviously, I go for months at a time, so I have to have it all in there. That is home for months at a time. So, yeah, it's there's a lot in there. As yep. minimalistic as I am, it's still a lot.
0: It's, it's interesting because you have to be prepared. You know, we were when we were traveling full time, you know, we had to make sure we had jackets and shorts and wool socks and, you know, flip flops. I mean... Everything is just, in the, and it depends on what elevation you're
6: at too. So, I mean, it can change rapidly. Those yep. spaces awesome my friend, like the vacuum pack bags where yes. you can suck the air out of everything and turn it into this teeny little thing. I would stash like my winter gear and hunting gear and stuff like that would live underneath the back seat of my Jeep. Yep. And just like the things that I didn't have to use very frequently, I would put in those bags and like stuff them into whatever little hole I could find somewhere. <laughs> so. <That's pretty> awesome. <laughs> yeah.
3: I hate rattling or sounds of any kind. So after you've like compacted them down and you shove them in between things, like it just deal- it does away with all of the Jeep rattle as well. So like you really can't hear anything if it's loose. Um, yeah, you would
5: hate my FJ then. <laughs> it squeaks like, and makes all kinds so of noises. So many noises, I've <laughs> given up on any other new ones. I'm like, eh, it's another noise. Add it to the list.
3: Yeah, <laughs> if we have the game. The youngest calls it. He knows when they're. <laughs> I and mean, it's like a, like where is it coming with the Jeep? great no like it I've got i've, I've got a new
5: high pitch whistle that sounds like a dog whistle it's just
3: constantly Whoa! I'm like oh no noise <laughs> nope can't do it. and the uh, they make those bags like that but they also make them scent proof so for like anybody that's in bear country a lot I have the scent locked hmm. ones not super cheap but they are kind of worth it I use them for my children's shoes.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good, yeah,
3: that's a good idea, for sure. I, so, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, maybe a little better, and Christina, we should do some for your food. Okay. Yeah.
6: <laughs> yes, for your steaks. For steak sure.
3: trash.
4: In my yeah. opinion, they
6: were in, like, well, most of my stuff was in, like, a bear box, but it was the grease, I think, from grilling them mm-hmm. the night before that was in the grass underneath, like, where the cooking setup was, and I was just thinking to myself, like, this was the dumbest idea. Christina, like, why? <laughs> Why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> Was it good? Was it worth it? They were amazing, I will say. And the steak with the view of the Tetons—like, can you really beat that? I don't know, but yeah, the the grizzly bear the next morning made it slightly slightly less enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, but it's time to go. Yeah.
2: yeah. Sure so.
6: so we have—I uh, have
0: one more comment okay. I want to show, and uh, let's see here. I might have to jet,
2: guys, because i got to catch a flight, 7.05, and we're boarding. Bye. Bye,
0: Bye, Kristen. Safe travels. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye. All right. Let's see here. Barlow Adventures. I guess no one ever told me I shouldn't, referencing Traveling Solo, or I wasn't listening. Reading the post above, many mentioned carrying guns. I'll say just like a winch or a high lift, guns are very dangerous to the user if you aren't trained to use them safely and responsibly. Yeah, I would say that's a good point, Great. for sure. <laughs> you know, anything, any tool that you bring with you, you have to definitely know how to use. If you, if you don't know how to use it, it's useless. There's no point in carrying the extra weight and bringing it. And then there's this also is, the safety factor, you know?
6: This is definitely another, like, male versus female. It doesn't matter who you are. Like, if you are going to carry a firearm, please, for the love of all that is holy, like take a training course, even yes. if you are going to not carry it and just have it physically present, like in your home or something like that. Like like I said, this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart because I taught these classes back in New Hampshire and I taught women's firearm safety, but I also taught men's orientation classes too, because it doesn't matter who you are, like people especially when it comes to firearms, I feel like there's a lot of ego that comes into play. And there's a lot of sort of questions that people have that they're afraid to ask, especially like women are afraid to ask these things. They're afraid to sound stupid, but absolutely no question is stupid when it comes to this stuff. And uh, I feel like having that comfort factor, if you're going to go ahead and do something like that, if you're going to carry If you're going to even purchase a firearm to have in your home for self-defense or something like please for the love take take a course because she's absolutely right like it's not a tool that is useful to you unless you know how to use it and use it safely and uh, i have seen more more men than women to be honest i have seen more people be unsafe with firearms who are like, oh, well, I grew up with them. And like, I've always had blah, blah, blah. My dad taught me yada, yada, yada. Like, that's great. But at the same time, like people also establish a lot of bad habits and bad habits can sort of stack up over the years. And for me teaching the women's courses, it was really interesting because I feel like women tend to be safer with firearms only because for the most part, they were taking these classes because they were totally new to it. And they hadn't established any bad habits yet. So you were able to train from the ground up and uh, you were able to establish safety from the get-go. And uh, it's just, for me, like, that is the most important thing if you are going to be considering arming yourself while you're doing something like this.
3: Same. Absolutely. And to act active- like anything else, where if you are out of practice with it, there is nothing wrong. In refreshing courses on it, or it's one of those things that like if you haven't used one in a year, go remind yourself how, because when you're put in a situation where your adrenaline is rushing, like it is a totally different scenario than being at a range or having something at you. And I know personally I carry one gun on me. Um, and Christina probably like, have more than me, but I'm more like, <laughs> a knife. Usually I would say usually I might have a shotgun too, but um, for me, I also have kids as a factor of like, I have an 11 year old and you know a teenager in the vehicle. And to a point I, I trust them, but I don't entirely ever trust my 11 year old with anything because he's one of those who's kind of like, let's see what this does. Um, just by anything I have in the vehicle with me has to be kid safe to a point as well or usable if something happens to me. So in those scenarios mm-hmm. where they have an emergency I need to know that they can actually function and use whatever that is. Um, So for me, I keep a revolver instead because that is simpler and easier for them to also handle in high-stress moments as far as just super simple. Um, But so, again, learning what type of gun you are comfortable with. Everybody's got a different preference on that as well as far as in those scenarios. But I'll be honest, the gun has never done me any good in any of the scenarios that I actually had to protect myself in. The knives did.
2: Mm
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Todd would like to know Do you, lovely ladies, carry a firearm? Oh, there. Who does? <laughs> no, Kelly. Who else has not? I was, within, like,
4: I was given some heart. lethal bear spray by someone. He's like, I got it on the dark
0: web. Here, take this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, thanks. Dark web bear spray. <laughs> hey. I got some dark web bear spray. <laughs> Yeah, it's effective on humans as well. So absolutely.
6: I will say what I carry depends on where I'm going also. Mm-hmm. So I have a twelve gauge shotgun that I bought specifically for what it is and how it's um, put together because it is basically legal in every single state I could possibly go into, with possible obsession of California. But I think the one that I have is actually California legal too. So it's it definitely, like I said you have to just look at what the rules are in every state that you're traveling Mm -hmm. in because every state is completely different and just because you have a concealed carry permit in one state does not mean that it is good in another and even if it is good in another state the firearm that you're utilizing may have very specific rules and regulations for where you can take it to and i've experienced that more and more but there are websites that you can go to that give you um, like a clear view. If there's a specific state that you're curious about, you literally just click on that state on the map and it'll tell you like what the firearms rules and regulations are for those states that you're traveling through. Um, Shotguns are the easiest thing to carry across the state border. Um, A 12 gauge shotgun, and you can basically go just about anywhere. It's not obviously as easy to carry as a handgun is, but it's easier to be safe with And, um, it's easier to, I say easier to be safe with because muzzle control is easier with a long gun than it is with a handgun. So that's what I mean when I say it's easier to be safe with, but, um, it's also just easier to sort of drive around without as much worry about where you're going. And, uh, when I'm going on long trips that include multiple States, that's often a factor. So just kind of being cognizant of that if you're going to carry and you're going to defend yourself that way, um, I think is important too.
0: Yeah, knowing which states have reciprocity and with, with whatever whatever current state you are permitted to carry in is definitely important as well.
3: Yeah. we am going to do
0: a map- couple more comments here. Go ahead, Tara.
3: Pretty much any national park, as soon as you cross that boundary line into them, like, usually well there's states where you can have the gun in there but the bullets have to be six feet behind you in the back you you know separate so but for national parks it's pretty much for almost all of them a no-go at this point as far as so you've got to have, make sure which sometimes you know i'll forget of like oh got to stop on things you know separate things far enough and all that um but national parks are generally just considered a general no-go area too at this point which is why i don't camp there anymore because it's actually easier to national forest or blm land and not have to worry about that stuff yep yeah a
0: good point. Kelly says, my spookiest students have been 60-ish year old men who have been around guns all my life. Quote. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Say yes to that. And Lee says, buckshot.
6: (laughs) So, So, yes and no. I actually have mine loaded. Buckshot slug, buckshot slug, buckshot slug.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Nice. Kelly's spray thing, in my experience, so knife first, I always keep a knife in my boot or within arm's reach, either everywhere all over my Jeep. And generally people know that by now. So they know, they know just, you know, stay arm's reach away. Um, and uh, the bear spray though. So I keep one in the trailer, everything I've duplicated between the trailer and the Jeep as well. So there's bear spray in the back of the trailer because who knows where you're going to be standing when that happens or comes into camp, but it works on humans too. Yep, it sure does. Very effective. <laughs> slugs are important. So there was a new gun at Expo uh, Denver West, where some of the guys—god, um, who I was with—Aiden uh, and Josh. We were at a booth, and one of them brought it up. And I need to look it up but it was not an actual gun. There was some kind of slug thing in it because they are from out of the country and they can't get a permit to carry in the U.S. And so it was an alternative to that. And some of the slugs were like pepper sprays. They were all different. Uh, It looked more like a flare gun to me, uh, but I don't remember the name of it. But that was new at that expo. And that was also um, an interesting alternative, at least to keep in a vehicle, because then you're not dealing with the whole firearm aspect of state line issues and things like that. But I would have to look up what the name of that was. But it was a new, new thing that came out okay oh yes
0: launchers and have pepper balls yes that's what I was going to say pepper balls
3: so that's God, I would myself or something like I just have bad luck like pepper spray too it would come back that would be my <laughs>
0: yeah being pepper sprayed is not fun I can attest to that for sure yeah so
3: oh my was Coast Guard we used to go for fun and watch them get pepper sprayed every
0: yeah day. I was one of those <laughs> Coast Guards that got pepper sprayed it was not a good time <laughs> it was and you have to retain your firearm and keep it away from somebody while you're dealing with the pepper spray in your face. So it's a good time, had by all. But I'm digressing. The,
3: at least in, in Oregon, the prize to bring the lawn chairs and watch.
0: Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on tonight, ladies. I really appreciate the conversation. Um, I think that we've shown that as long as you're prepared and you're safe and you know, maybe you get some training under your belt, you know, you can absolutely go out and overland solo. What do you guys think? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a learning
6: experience about yourself. And I think (laughs) that more than anything is one of the top reasons why I chose to do it because it's just, to me, it's important to have that time, um, and to, like, make those discoveries of places and things and self. And I think it's it's a unique experience for sure. I think Absolutely. the best quote
3: about the difference between overlanding and camping, because everybody likes to call it camping, you know, that's the thing, is that the point of overlanding is not the destination. It's the self-reliance factor and the traveling part of it, not the end camp or where you're going, because you don't know where you're landing most of the time. But yep. it's about ultimately it comes down to being about self-reliance and being able to sustain that for long periods of time. Yeah.
0: And it's about, definitely about the journey itself. I mean, every part of the good and the bad and anything that you encounter along the way. So thank you guys again. Thank you guys for watching tonight. And this will, this podcast will be live on, uh, Anchor, Apple podcasts and Spotify and all the others, um, by tomorrow morning. So again, everyone have a safe and good night and we'll see you next week.